that if somebody wants to die, they will. I know that to be true now. And I, I trust it and I believe it. And I also feel like he's in a better place now. He's He was suffering terribly. You know, I, I hold to the belief that he's at peace right now. And good is, is coming from this terrible tragedy um, through the work that, uh, that I'm doing. Hey everybody, I'm James Shannon, and today's conversation is with Michelle Anhang, the mother of two. Many years ago, her husband made the decision to take his own life, and it was a very difficult time for Michelle and her boys and their community, as you can imagine. They struggled with how to tell people how to keep this secret. Today, Michelle is able to speak about it and share her story with many, and she decided to go ahead and share her story with me to share it with you all in the hopes that it can help other people that are dealing with depression or any similar mental issues that she had to deal with and if you yourself or you know anybody that's dealing with any mental issues depression suicidal thoughts or anything similar i think this is a a conversation that you really really want to listen to it's very powerful and i'm honored that michelle took the time to share it with us Today, I'll be talking to Michelle Ann Hank. She is a, a leadership and life coach that dedicated to providing mental health support for families. Today, Michelle is going to share her story with us, a story that I believe is important for everyone to hear. Michelle, thank you for agreeing to have a conversation with me today. Thank you for having me. The pleasure is all mine. So I know you got married back when you were 22 years old, right? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Uh, yeah, she's just a baby. That's um <laughs> That's actually when I, I uh, had my second child. No, I'm second at 21, so we was about to get married, but it didn't happen. Ah. So can you tell me about you know your marriage and uh, you and your husband? Sure. Um, yeah, we actually knew each other since we were eight years old. Uh, we grew up in uh, the same community and, um, yeah, had, had a lot of the same friends, started dating when we were 18, and... Um, yeah, 22. We were married, um, had two little boys. Uh, one was born, I guess, about five years later. And then the next one came along uh, three years after that. So we seem like the picture perfect family, you know, a little white picket fence and you know, the, <laughs> the whole the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So while, while it seemed perfect on the outside, um, unfortunately, it was not so perfect on the inside because my husband was living with severe mental illness um, that we actually only had diagnosed, oh gosh, maybe 10 years into our marriage, nine, nine or 10 years. Uh, and it turned out that he had bipolar disorder and a form of schizophrenia. Wow. And yeah, yeah, you know, there, there were some signs, you know, but not not that big. And then it just kind of came to a point where he was not functioning um, well at all, uh, couldn't really work. Uh, so he ended up going on um, disability leave because of his mental illness. Um, and, and was on that um, for a couple of years. But um, you know, as I think those of us who are familiar with with mental illness, um, you know, th they don't have um, the perfect mix for, you know, a cocktail for the medications that you need to take. I remember his doctor saying, like, it's not like we can just open up your brain and say, oh, yeah, that's what you need. It's, it's trial and error. 
it was it was a really difficult journey for him uh, you know going through that trial and error some of the medications um you know he did not react to well at all like ones that were supposed to create calm actually had the opposite effect on him and he you know ended up go, going on a bunch of pills but um you know there were side effects from that and um he slowly gave up hope and um, ended up dying by suicide uh, 14 years ago. So he was 35. Thank you. I was 34. He was 35. And my kids were seven and four. Leading up to the moment that, that he left, I know you said that there were some signs. Was there like something that you've seen over the, the 10 years that you've seen him getting worse? Right? Were there certain signs that anybody that's dealing with something similar today that, that they can look out for that you probably did or didn't see? Yeah. You know, he did a really good job at hiding it <laughs> and, and then, yeah. Um, but yeah, there, you know, there were definitely mood shifts. Um, you know, in the beginning, I think it showed up more as depression, um, lack of motivation, you know, spending a lot of time in bed and just, you know, couldn't get out. And then it was only later on, um, that we saw the other side, you know, where, where the manic episodes were happening and he was either in bed for days or not at home for days, oh, wow. you know, depending on which part of the, the cycle he was in. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's a number of symptoms for bipolar disorder and for schizophrenia. I didn't know he was hearing voices um, until close to the end of his life. Like he, he didn't even share that. But, you know, I, I think it shows up differently in different people. So I think if people are um, concerned that a family member might have some kind of mental illness, go online, look it up, see what you're noticing, and then send them to the doctor because, you know, none of us are, are really, you know, we can see the signs, we can point it out, but we can't really make a diagnosis. And, and I certainly like before he had that diagnosis, I don't think I ever would have said, oh, yeah, this is what you have. You know, he, he was the guy that, you know, was always ready to help every friend that needed it. Like, you know, and he was really handy. So like if somebody needed, you, you know, their fence fixed, you know, he'd be like, OK, I'm there. And he, that would pull him out of bed, mm. you know, and because he, you know, his wanting to help people was more was more important to him you know up to a certain point when when he you know but this was already after the diagnosis right. when he really couldn't how was it for the boys afterwards mm. yeah so okay <laughs> now we dive into the 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 meat of the story so um yeah he he passed away you know, I was in complete shock. So again, like while the signs were there, we knew about the illness. I never in a million years thought that he would die by suicide. And um, the community that we came from, you know, we don't talk about that kind of stuff. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of shame. There's fear of the stigma. And I remember like after, after he passed and we were getting the family together, you know, what, one of the family members looked over at me and they're like, oh my God, what are we going to tell people? Mm. You know, my first reaction was like, what? And then, of course, I started thinking like, oh, why do we need to tell people anything? Well, okay, maybe it was my fault. Maybe I didn't do enough, you know, and then maybe this, maybe that going into complete self-blame and shame and all of that. And also it was like, well, nobody knew that he had the mental illness. And so now how do we come out and say this is what he died of? So um, we decided, let's say it was an accident. And so that's what we told everybody, including my kids. Um, like I said, they were they were super little, 
you know, I, I couldn't wrap my head around how he died. And I was like, how do I even tell this to little kids? So yeah, so I told them that, you know, it was an accident. My kids were at my brother's house at the time. Um, he had picked them up from school when I got word that something was wrong. I called my older son into the room after I went over to my brother's, told him, and, you know, he kind of got a little teary. And then he was like, can I go back and play with the kids now? And I was like, okay, sure. Got my younger one into the room and I told him, remember, he's only four years old and four-year-olds don't really understand death. And so I, I told him and he, his first question was, does that mean daddy's like a mummy on Scooby-Doo? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, kind of, you know, and, and he didn't quite get it. I think, you know, that was probably a part of him that thought that's kind of cool. And it was only a year later, like after enough time had passed that like one day he said to me, mommy, he's not coming back, is he? And I said, no. And that's sort of when he started to go through his own grieving process. Yeah, so it seemed like you, you had to keep two secrets. It, w it wasn't just how he died. It was also that he had mental illness. So you had to... Yeah. That, I can imagine, was probably a toll on you and the family as well. You know, had to keep the secret from the community and from the boys. And you kept the secret for a long time, right? Yeah, I kept it for more than 10 years. You know, what, once it was out there, there was no taking it back. And then I basically lived my life, if you can even call it living, around keeping the secret safe. And it was, it was challenging. Why did you want to keep it a secret so long? Was it because of the, the stigma behind it? Yeah. And, and there was, you know, my kids were still little. So there was the fear of like, okay, how do I, you know, when do I tell them the truth? You know, I was more kids about, more, sorry, concerned about, my kids finding out before I thought they were ready to. But yeah, there, there was definitely the piece of, you know, now this story went out there and how do I even go back and correct it? So then, you know, adding another layer of shame on top of it. Did you tell your kids before you told, told anybody else? Um, people were just kind of all finding oh, out okay. at the same time. Yeah, it was like one of those things that like, you know, you know, I told his parents and his siblings, and then, you know, they started calling the family and then, you know, word gets out or it gets out really quickly about something like that. Like, you know, he, he had, you know, my husband had been 30, he was 35 at the time. So, you know, you hear about a 35 year old dying, you know, car accident or not, it's something shocking that like everybody is leting everybody else know. Right. Yeah. They say regardless of, of how you go at, at that age, it's just a shock period. So. That's yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's not a natural thing and it wasn't expected. Like it wasn't like he had a sickness that we were kind of like, okay, it could be any time. So you had a secret for over a decade and now you decided to open up about it and, and speak about it now. Why? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Great question. Um, you know, so I was carrying all of this around. It was impacting my mental health. You know, I, I was experiencing my own depression because anytime you're, you're holding something like that in, you know, you're, you're making yourself small, you're not letting yourself feel and, you know, it takes its toll on us. So I, I was living with depression. I was isolating myself because I, I didn't, you know, like I, I had friends, but like even some people that like I considered my close friends didn't know the truth. Some of my oldest friends that were there with me, like through that didn't know the truth. Like some of them kind of had an idea, but you know, cause they, they knew him well enough, but 
nobody knew for sure nobody wanted to ask right. i think it was one of those things of like you know we kind of all understood just don't go there you know and i also had said had severe anxiety around like well what if somebody tells my kids and or you know what if somebody else finds out and then tells them what if someone finds out and then starts judging me and and i i couldn't deal with any of that so i was constantly having anxiety and you know it was just slowly eating eating away at me it was about 10 years after um after he died um i i it was my 45th birthday and i realized like i was in a relationship that i was really not a, a healthy one i wasn't healthy so of course i wasn't attracting a healthy partner mm. and you know and i was just kind of living this life that was barely there and i just said like okay i've been in too much pain i'm 45 i can't live the next half of my life in this much pain and um i didn't know at the time i was going to do that like tell anybody but i just i knew i needed therapy and i had been in therapy in the beginning and you know about other stuff but not about this specific topic and so i was like okay you know whatever it takes for me to heal i will do because i can't handle the pain of what i'm living with you know it was like the pain of getting better won't be any worse than this and so i did a deep dive and did a lot of work around around that around myself just getting more um more secure with who i was you know getting better supports um you know working with my shame um which was huge finally you know and and it's funny cuz like i always thought i'll tell my kids when they're older like when they're when they've got their own kids and then they'll understand why a parent would do that and i remember one of um one of my teachers in actually the leadership program i i was taking at the time it was a very very close knit group and you know you're working through all your stuff because obviously if you know you're going to be a leader you you need to work through your own stuff to to fully serve other people mm-hmm. And so I had shared with the group what I you know the secret that I was keeping and and I had a conversation with one of my teachers later and he was like you know you need to tell your kids. And I was like I don't know like can I wait? <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah. And he was like you know I was like yeah I have the plan when they're older. He's like I don't I think you need to tell them now. And I was like oh gosh okay you know kind of had to wrap my head around that and like it took me a couple of months but I did have you know I had built a good support system and like particularly in this group they they were so critical to to so much of my healing and becoming who you know who I am today and they were all amazing they were like we are here for you we will support you however we can so yeah finally um got up the guts to to tell my kids they were the first ones that that i wanted to know um you know and and of course like i had this huge fear that they're never going to speak to me again i couldn't have been more wrong is is all i could say um you know and 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 that's the thing that like our our minds tell us these lies you know, like the fear right like i was you know i i went to these places of like they're never going to talk to me again they're going to hate me they're going to like move out even though like they were 15 and 18 but i was just like oh my god this is going to be a nightmare and like you know i wasn't trusting the relationship that i had with them you know that i developed with them over these years but i was like i i still i need to get this out of me and so yeah i sat them down it was you know i called them up for dinner and i was like i need to talk to you guys about something before we eat and i told them i was just like you know 
I'm not proud of this. And, you know, we made a decision at the time that we thought was best. Um, but now looking back, I wish I had done it differently, but this is the truth. And my kids were amazing. Like they, they knew how I had grown up and that there was, you know, it was a, a bit of a culture of shame. And they said like, you know, we wished we had known from the beginning, but we understand why you did what you did. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just such a huge relief. And like, obviously I was like, okay, you know, I'm here to fill you in on any details, whatever you want to know. Um, just ask me the questions. And I was like, I, I promise like no more secrets. This is because like, you know, it's killing me and I can't do this anymore. And, you know, I want you guys to know the truth too. And um, they became my biggest supporters. I then, um, after I think it was like two months later, ended up sharing it on Facebook because I was like, okay, I need, you know, like during that time, I was actually, I had become a coach. I was working with a coach and um, realized that this was, you know, something that I needed to do. I needed to, so like, because of my story and what I had lived through, I wanted to pay it forward and support people that are going through the same thing that I went through, whether it's, you know, living with living with a family member with severe mental illness or dealing with their own mental health challenges. You know, I wanted to share my story and, and help people feel supported because, you know, I mean, I, I, I didn't feel supported at the time and um, you know, I felt very isolated and I didn't know what to do and I, I was completely lost. So um, yeah, I, two months later, I said to my kids, you know, I feel like I need to share this with the world and this is the work that I need to do. And they were like, you go mom. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And my, my older one had just started university He's studying communications. He's an amazing writer. And I'm like, okay, I'm creating this Facebook post, you know, and he helped me edit it. And, you know, they were just like, okay, you know, post it. And I'm like, no, 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 I need more time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they're like, oh, come on, just do. And I was like, no. And I still waited a couple more weeks. And then I, and then I posted it and, you know, it was, that was really, really freaking scary too. You know, my, like I said, my, my husband and I had grown up together. We, you know, when he passed away, I think it, it was just before Facebook came out. So like, you know, that was also like a good thing. Nobody, good and bad, I guess nobody knew as much about mental illness. And also th there wasn't social media where people are going to find right. things out. But, uh, you know, I'm just saying the, the Facebook piece, because um, having grown up together, I had hundreds of friends that had grown up with me, had grown up with him. Um, or knew him, at, you know, knew us together. And it was like, they're all going to find out on Facebook. But I didn't have any other way. Like, how do you go and tell everybody? You know, and then it's like, I can't sit there on the phone with hundreds of people. And I didn't want people hearing from somebody else. It was like, hear from me, my truth, my story. And this seemed like the easiest way to do it. And, um, and I was terrified. I was just like, oh, you know, the same thing I, I feared with my kids that, you know, people are going to hate me. They're going to call me a liar. They're going to feel betrayed that, you know, all of that. And I put it out there on Facebook and the responses that I got, you know, shocked me and made me cry because it was all love. That's amazing. Yeah. It was just this outpouring of love because of you know and of course like i i think i have like like four thousand people like more than close to five thousand people saw it it was shared a whole ton of times and you know and i was just getting people that i knew from like 
every little tiny corner of my life reaching out and saying like, oh my God, I can't believe you've held, held that in all these years and you're so brave and I love you and you're amazing. You know, people phoning me, people private messaging me, all of that. And then all the, all the me too's of how many people were keeping secrets and are still keeping secrets and saying like, you know, thank you for having that courage. Cause you know, it gives me hope that one day maybe I can talk about what I'm holding in. Yeah, it's there's a relative of mine. I can't say too much because we are yeah. we agree to keep a secret. It's the same thing you're yeah. saying right now. That is certain things you're saying that are hitting home. Like, wow, we went through something like that, but we agreed to not let it out because we don't want to hear the reaction. Everything you're saying is just you no. Know, we're afraid of how people are going to react and having to explain to them, and then it's just that so i admire you and i applaud you to to be brave enough to to hit post you know on facebook and prepare for the thousands Thank of people you. that you know you guys have been knowing each other since, since eight so i can imagine how many people <laughs> you, you both know and like wow hold up we thought you know he passed this way and now it's like yeah you know, so the toll that and it, that's something i think some people forget too that when something happens to somebody else it affects a lot of people it affects your family yeah. it didn't just affect him it affected you and your boys and, and and both of your families yeah and so yeah i i hope one day you guys can um have the peace of you know being able to to talk about your secret as well because i you know i what my my learning from all of this like i i think it's um aa that, that says like secrets make you sick and, and it's so true. Like, you know, this secret was just eating me alive. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't grieve the death of my husband, you know, the death of a suicide. I was, you know, supposed to grieve the death of an accident, which looks very different. Like when there's an accident, you know, like unless you're, you're the driver, you know, or there, like you're, you're not feeling the same kind of guilt. You're, you know, there's a lot of added emotions that come with grieving the death of a suicide. And I denied myself that. Like it was only after I was able to share that that I could actually talk about it and and really fully heal from that kind of grief. Now that you, you told people how has life been since? Uh, amazing. Yeah, completely better. And, you know, I have purpose. I'm now seeing that I'm helping so many people by talking about my story with the work that I do. And that just feels so meaningful for me. You know, I feel free. I feel light. Yeah. Like I didn't, you know, until you let go of, of what you're carrying, you don't realize how heavy it is. Like we, we just we get used to it. You know, it's like we're carrying a backpack around. It's like, you know, when you're a student, you're carrying like five textbooks, mm. like you just get used to like, yeah, it's really heavy, but you're just, you do it all year for however many years. And, you know, and it's only like when you put it down for a while and then you pick it up or like somebody else picks it up and they're like, holy cow, that's heavy. How do you walk around with that all day? And you're like, oh, I'm used to it. And that was, that was me with the secret. So yeah, putting it down, it was like, wow, I can fly now. Like, wow, like, this is a feeling that I've, I haven't had. Yeah, yeah. Michelle, are you, are you happy today? I am happy today, yes. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. Of course. I'm happy. I'm, I'm living the life um, that I feel I am meant to be living right now. You know, they, we all need to have purpose. And whether it's finding purpose or creating purpose, I don't know what... 
you know, depending on our beliefs, it could look different, but we all need to have purpose. And, you know, my purpose at that time was keeping a secret and making sure nobody found out. So like, what kind of life is that? It's not. You know, th there's no joy in that. So what's your purpose now? So my purpose now is sharing my story with as many people as I can so that it reaches the ears that need to hear it and to let people know that they are not alone, that there is hope, there is joy to be found, and that we all deserve to be happy. And coaching, coaching the people that, um, that are going through these kinds of challenges that, that need somebody who gets it, who's you know, been there and gotten to the other side and, and really wants to see them reach, um, reach their place of joy as well. Yeah, I know you're a life coach. So are these the yes. type of clients that you have, ones that have experienced um, family members with mental illness or something similar? Yes, that's uh, the area I specialize in. So supporting the family members. And I also work with people with their own mental health challenges in a different way. So it's, it's different than therapy or, or counseling. Coaching is looking at where you are today and where you want to be. So in, in that sense, I work with people with mental health challenges to empower them to take the steps um, that they need that, to feel that they are actually in control of their lives. So, you know, it's a lot of work of like connect, like make creating that mind body connection so that, you know, because a lot of times with mental illness, like things will show up in our bodies even before our minds. You know, like with anxiety, for example, we might notice that like, oh, you know, my heart's racing, my chest is getting tight, my cheeks are, are flush. I know those are my, my uh, that's how I know that I'm having, you know, anxiety. And so just learning to identify that more quickly, learning tools to help calm ourselves, you know, so that, you know, we're not feeling so out of control of what's going on with our health. Mm. And if so, if we have any, any listeners that they feel like they may need your help, what would be the best place mm -hmm. for them to go and find you? Uh, you can find me. Well, I, I'm all over social media and, <laughs> and I have a website. Um, so my website is michelleanhangcoaching.com. Um, and my last name is A-N-H-A-N-G. I have a Facebook page, same name, Michelle Anhang Coaching. I am on Instagram as well, same, same name, LinkedIn, you name it. I, I'm not on TikTok yet, although my, <laughs> my kids are telling me I've got to do that. I'm like, aren't those supposed to be like fun and funny videos? <laughs> and they're like... Yeah, but you know, you can put anything. So I think their their plan is to set me up with a TikTok account, but I'm not there yet. But pretty much everything else, it's coming. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> we'll see what we can do with that. <laughs> but yeah, please, if you're suffering in any way, I mean, obviously reach out. Um, there are different hotlines, there are different resources that are available, but don't feel like you need to go through this alone. I am here. I am, you know, happy to support anybody through their journey of healing. Yeah, whether whether it's your own experience or um, or a family member's. Awesome. I know you you're also active in Project Lisa. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so that's um, a volunteer work that I do. Um, it's um, for women who are getting out of um, abusive situations where there's um, domestic violence in their homes. So uh, support there where I can. Awesome, awesome. Look, Michelle, I, I, I appreciate you just coming on and sharing your story. It's, 
it's very important that that is heard. So I think you should keep doing what you're doing and telling as many people as you possibly can and, and let it be heard. I think it's very helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, you, you are very welcome. I know I, I did want to ask you too. You had said that there was a lot of shame. You were thinking that you, you should have done more. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And it's not your fault, right? No, you know, everyone's, everyone's got their journey. And, you know, all we can do is, is love our loved ones, you know, hope for the best. I mean, we can, we can try, but I remember I, I went through a lot of therapy and, you know, needed my therapist to tell me over and over and over, there's nothing you can do. Like, I remember her exact word. She said, if somebody wants to die, they will. Wow. I know that to be true now. And I, I trust it and I believe it. And I also feel like he's in a better place now. He's, he was suffering terribly. You know, I, I hold to the belief that he's at peace right now and good is, is coming from this terrible tragedy um, through the work that, uh, that I'm doing, you know, through the, through what you're doing, you know, sharing, <laughs> sharing these stories. And so, so that gives me hope. I love it. And yeah, just continue doing the work work that you're doing and um i wish you and your boys the best they're they're 18 21 now right yeah they are well michelle i, I want to thank you for, for coming to the show and, sh and sharing your story i really do appreciate it thank you so much for having me oh you're welcome you take care okay thank you you too wow just wow first thank you michelle for sharing your story i don't know if i would be able to find a stream to do what you're doing after experiencing something like that is that's just you're amazing so i thank you so much for what you are doing you're a great woman a fantastic mother and you are a part of the good that still exists in this world if you know anyone that is struggling with suicide please contact the national suicide prevention line at 1-800-273-8255 if you need that number again it is 1-800-273-8255 Five, five. It's extremely important that you get them the help that they need or at least attempt to help them out. Once again, Michelle, thank you for having a conversation with me, James Shannon. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourself, hug your loved ones, and cherish these moments. It is very important. Take care.